Robbie Knox here, landlord of the Moon Underwater, and I have a very exciting announcement to share with you. Have you ever found yourself listening along to the podcast thinking, hmm, I wish I could experience this with my own eyes in the real world? Well, you're in luck, because very soon the Moon Underwater will be returning to the other realm for a special live show. As it's such a special occasion, we thought we'd invite an equally special guest along. Joining us on the night to create their dream pub is the Edinburgh Comedy Award-winning comedian Ahir Shah. It's taking place on Sunday the 7th of April at Moth Club in London. Tickets are on general sale now. Search Moon Under Pod on socials, head to our page and click the link in the bio to get your tickets. We look forward to seeing you there. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Before time, before pint, before booth, before bar, glass, shimmer and glow, she was there, resplendent in the mists, sired by ancient streets of desire, the moon underwater. It's about time you got here. Hello, John. Hello. Now, Robin, 
before I ask you how you are, I've got a suspicion. Mm. I've got a suspicion that the mystery wind has been blowing through the moon underwater while I was in absentia. The mistral wind? Well, some call it the mystery wind, some call it the mistral wind. The mistral wind is a wind that blows through France that's meant to drive people mad. Oh no, this isn't a wind that drives people mad, it's the mystery wind. Mad with fun. Oh, okay, then maybe it is the same wind. (laughs) Um, Because we are on several... what are they called? Those those lines, those ancient lines. Ley lines? Ley lines. Mm. Uh, we are on several thousand ley lines here, uh, the moon underwater. I believe 95% of all ley lines pass through us. And inevitably, the mistral wind likes to blow down those lines. Because I just, when I walked in, when I opened up uh, this afternoon... There, there was just a presence, and I could tell it had been, but I, I would so love to see it. To see what? The wind? Yes. You, you, <laughs> well, the mistral wind, you can see. Right, okay. Yes, it's got many hues, colours and moods. Yeah, I've often sensed your windy presence. Yes, well, it's the it's the neck oil. That's the problem. But we're talking about two very different winds. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, speaking of wind, Robin... <laughs> yeah... Earlier, the the regular wind, just wind, just blew in a large amount of mist. Okay. And I think within that mist was some mail, which you sighed for. And I may say, there was quite a flourish to your sigh today. Thank you. Yeah, I sighed with a sort of... I just... I I used a different um, pen. (laughs) You used a different pen to sigh? I sigh, yeah. No, well, pen mouth. Yeah, a different pen mouth. Different nib. To sigh slightly differently, more joined up, you know. Could you uh, recreate your calligraphic pen mouth sigh that you used to take? Because it did have a flourish towards the end. It was a kind of... Um... <sighs> That's exactly the sound I heard. That was it, yeah, yeah, that was it. And it just just felt like it. The postman knows who I am. It's just a formality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, uh, the, 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 the mist mail was delivered and uh, I took took it. And had a couple of lovely uh, emails in, actually, or mists in. This one here from James, uh, titled The Oxford Bar, which I think we, we referenced. I think we were talking about Edinburgh pubs. It's Ian Rankin. Yes. Ian Rankin's local, The Oxford Bar. Mm. Dear John and Robin, thought I'd drop you a line to give my appreciation for the Moon Under Pod. As a fellow nostalgist, Orwell fan, and lover of the pub, I've been listening with that sweetest of feelings that comes when you come across something with which you truly identify. I've been doing night shifts this week and have been tantalised each evening as I listen to the episodes. Tell you what, night shifts are a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. In, in my summer break from uni, I worked nights in a packing warehouse. Yeah, that's when you went mad, wasn't it? Yeah, you think you're fine, and you think, oh, this is easy, I can deal with this, and the next thing you know, you're just crying. And your skin's really bad. I do quite like the idea of kind of sleeping through the ultramarine afternoons, though. It's harder than you think, because in terms of the timetable, you know you need to sleep from sort of like 9am to 4pm. But your body doesn't know that you need to sleep then. So big respect and shout out to anyone working nights anywhere. Yes, it's not not easy. It's not easy. I've been doing night shifts this week and I've been tantalised each evening as I listen to the episodes. As such, although it's a sunny afternoon in Edinburgh, I have retreated to the dark, wooded interior of the Oxford Bar and sit sipping the first glorious pint of post-night's freedom. Just me and two regulars deep in discussion about how you you can't find decent glue these days. It's actually a good point. It is a good point. 
It, it's the death of the local hardware shop, is what it is. I'll tell you what, if you can get your hands on Gorilla Glue, anyway, it's quite decent glue. Like many, I've recently been reflecting upon my relationship with alcohol. To hear the subject so thoughtfully discussed on your podcast has helped bring balance and insight to a subject that I too often attribute undue shame. Thank you for the discussion, the music, the poetry, and for reminding me of the Dagda bar that I frequented as a student and should really revisit soon. All the very best, James. That's a lovely, lovely email. Thanks so much, James. Thank you, James. That's that's really sweet. And I think it uh, it's so nice that you highlighted honest discussions of booze, because obviously when making a realm where alcohol plays a large part, you have to, you have to show both sides of the coin, because a great pub isn't about getting hammered. Mm. It isn't even about drinking alcohol. It's about finding your vibe. Hashtag find your vibe for goodness sake. And for goodness sake is also in the hashtag. Hashtag. <laughs> it's quite a long one. <laughs> uh, and um, I would love to read this one out as well. This is a really lovely message we've had from Asia. And it's called Pub Euphoria Moment, which is great. It sounds like a good album name. Yes, Pub Euphoria Moment. Yeah. Dear John and Robin, first, I just wanted to say that having listened to your radio show since near the beginning, John, it's so nice to hear you sounding happy and relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't drink on the radio, Aisha. Yeah. And <laughs> I really like this. And with free reign to ponce it up without getting mocked. That's great. <laughs> I really like that. She gets it. Second, I find your podcast such a lovely thing and thank you for making it. Third, it prompted me to share my ultimate pub euphoria moment. A friend's multi-generational birthday party at The Boot, an old-school Irish pub in King's Cross. They sold homemade sandwiches and mainstream lager. Two teenage girls were topping up their soft drinks from a bottle of bag vodka. I loved them. The landlady was very stern and looked like Shirley from EastEnders. I loved her. The pub was full of pretty rowdy locals, giving it a bit of an edge, but with no hint whatsoever of malice or aggression. Auntie Mary was on the darts board, and whenever she threw a dart into the wall, everyone in the pub gave a friendly cheer. Then, Bohemian Rhapsody came on the jukebox, and no exaggeration, every single person in the pub sang along. I peaked at that moment, and have never experienced anything so magical, and I say that as a mother of two. Sorry, kids. (laughs) All the best, Asia. That's so great. Uh, I love that. That's brilliant. I think she's written about pubs so well there, where it's like, it's not just like a little bit of an edge. It's not saying that it's kind of nasty. It's just like, it's full of life. And it's full of real life. That's what she's saying, I think. It's brilliant. I've just looked up the boot in my mind. Yeah. Do you know what? It. I bet it, it really tallies with the pub that Al Green created. Oh, yeah. I'm going to King's Cross tomorrow. Maybe I could go there. Oh, well, <laughs> what I like about it is they've got Guinness Extra Cold and then they've got two regular Guinness taps. Mm. So that makes me realise, sure, the brewery has forced them to have some god-awful Guinness Extra Cold, but they've said we're having two massive, and they are massive, Guinness taps. But it does look very nice. It looks very sort of functional and utilitarian. It's got a pool table. It's got a sort of real mishmash of paraphernalia on the wall, but not in a sort of fake way, like they've just gone to some auction and bought loads of old stuff. It looks like a proper local, you know, which is kind of quite hard to find in London. Oh, let's go there, Robin, and never leave. Let us go there, you and I. When the evening is spread out against the sky. Like a willy. John, I was going to I'll just ask you one Good thing. job Ezra Pound did those yeah. corrections. Yeah. <laughs> I was, because um, I've been in isolation uh, 
last week and everything, and I watched a lot of films, and I watched the Brideshead Revisited film uh, from 2008, the BBC one. Have you ever watched Brideshead or read Brideshead? No, but is that where he recites The Wasteland? Yeah, in the book, yeah, yeah. Is that in the film? Uh, no, it's not in the film. It might be in the BBC, it might be in the TV serial they did in the 80s. I wonder if they couldn't get the copyright. Maybe. But it seems to be so up your alley, because you think of Brideshead as being like the Oxford story. Mm. But in actual fact, there's just a bit of Oxford at the beginning. And then a kind of lifetime of guilt and remorse. So it seems very John. You know, you've got a bit of Oxford at the start. And I'll then check it out. Yeah. I'll check it out, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I was thinking of you. We also had a couple of missed mails about unusual pub names, didn't we? Mm, we did. Do send your unusual pub names to john at moonunderpod.com because we do really enjoy hearing them. Okay, this is from Ryan. Evening, John and Robin. Re your request for odd pub names. There's a lovely pub near me called Brendan the Navigator. That's so nice. It makes me think of um, that Gillian Welsh song, Time the Revelator. Brendan the Navigator. (laughs) (laughs) Should more pubs be given people's names as well as occupations? Ryan says, it's not for me to say, but I do like it. And um, another great one from Dave. In Highbury, there is a pub called The Bank of Friendship. To my eternal regret, I never went in when I lived nearby because it looked like it would be full of bigger boys. But the idea of a bank of friendship still resonates. I imagine that all its patrons are making deposits and withdrawals all through the night. And when you put it like that, isn't every pub a bank of friendship? Quite right, Dave. Oh, very nice. And (laughs) just one more from Fred. Hi, J-Rob. I like that. Loving your content, I had a long chat riff with a friend of mine on the subject of pub names when he took me on a magical pub crawl through the heretofore criminally bebushled light of the Sheffield pub and beer scene. Love going out in Sheffield. On my way to visit my friend, I passed one pub which astounded me, but not in the good way. It was called Big Tree. Not the, <laughs> not the Big Tree, just Big Tree. Named, no doubt, for the tree standing outside its main entrance. That is absolutely, that's a bonkers name for a pub. I like the way there's no the. Yeah. Oh, should we meet at Big Tree? So it's like what Alan Partridge would call his pub. Big house, big pub. Maybe it's like more pubs should have the kind of indefinite article, A King's Head or something instead. (laughs) You know, like that. (laughs) That would be good. A Rose and Crown. And Fred goes on to say that, anyway, the thing that really bugged me about this pub, apart from the astonishing waste of a naming opportunity, was the sign. The sign itself was not an artist's rendition of a famous, gigantic British oak. Instead, it simply depicted the very pub it belonged to. (laughs) Quite meta. Tree included. Hard not to frown while reading this, eh? I've attached an image where you can just about see what I'm talking about. Any whom the rift train this put me and my friend on arrived at its terminus where we decided that the only logical conclusion to this problem would be only to name our dream pub the Pub and Sign, outside of which would stand a sign depicting the very pub itself, including the sign on which it would show where you get the idea. Like the Bohemian Rhapsody video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an infinite feedback loop. Some of the other pub names from the crawl include the Broadfield, the Beer Engine, the Rutland Arms and the Crow Inn. Fred. That's great. Thank you, Fred. That's great. I love the idea of just a pub sign having a photo of the pub on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great in Catterick. Do you remember in Catterick, um, the, the pub is named after a really obscure Yes song. Catterick's brilliant. Of oh, the TV series with uh, Reeves and Mortimer. It's yeah, yeah. superb. Yeah, that's great. What, do you remember the name of the song? Let me just look it up in my mind. Robin, you have a little thumb through the sheaths of your mind. (laughs) 
Yes, and the pub in Catterick is called the Siberian Cat True after the Yes song, which is a great name. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Well, do keep sending in your missed mails, folks. Uh, We love reading them here. And a reminder that tickets are still on sale for Moon Underwater Live. We are doing four or maybe five. Five. At George the Fourth pub in Chiswick. And we can't wait to be inviting people into the Moon Underwater, into the George the Fourth, and uh, performing for you and sharing some laughs, some things that might not make it onto the podcast. Mm. We're really, really looking forward to doing these live shows. Tickets are £15, and because of uh, government regulations relaxing, we've been able to release uh, many more seats. So do head over to moonunderpod.com to get tickets for those gigs. And we we look forward to seeing you there. Yes, indeed. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, They are in late August and early September on Sundays. But they start at half six and will be finished, I would think, by half eight at the latest. So giving you ample time to get back for childcare babysitters and a good night's sleep before work the next day. But Robin, I'm afraid I'm going to have to send you to the library. Okay, what do you need me to get? Well, some of the books are a bit hither and thither. I think the mystery wind may have blown them off their shelves. Sure. Do you want me to get you a Brideshead? Oh, get me a copy of Brideshead, mate. I'll have a quick, complete read of it uh, in the next ten seconds. Sure. Uh, And then, fingers crossed, our guest will be on their way. Robin, you just missed it. Oh, what did I miss? The mystery wind. Oh, the mystery wind. Just while you were out in the library, the mystery wind crept down the chimney and it ran along the pints and the wine glasses and caused that sort of, what they used to think was the music of the stars. Oh, yes. The sort of heavenly, heavenly harmonies and sounds that played in the heavens. Well, it just either, yeah, yeah, it just made that sound as it passed across the wine glasses and the pint glasses, which I thought was very nice. Oh well, yeah, but <laughs> next time, <laughs> next, next time. time you'll catch it. I had, there's a great bit in the David Burns book about that, the celestial music. That's it. Celestial's the word I was looking for there. He, where he says it's uh, so someone worked out that it's a uh, it's a dominant seventh, and he says it's like the universe is singing the blues. Oh, how terribly sad. Yeah. How terribly sad for the universe. (laughs) Well, no one's singing the blues in the moon underwater tonight because we've got it looking an absolute treat, I may say. The brasses are gleaming, the bar is a shining, but the nooks have just a nice sort of... It's not dust as such. Well, it's almost like the wind, that mistral wind. Not mistrial, that terrible Lou Reed album, but the mistral wind. It's not a terrible album, it's a terrible cover to the (laughs) album. That mistral wind has blown in and given everything a bit of magic dust. Yes, I think that's what's happened on the leather areas, especially. I mean, luckily, we don't have to treat the leather here with leather cream like they do on the repair shop because the moon underwater is sort of constantly repairing itself, but never too new. And not too soon either, because I believe at the door is another celestial harmony. It's this week's guest. Hello, Suze Kempner. 
Oh, hi. Thanks for having this pub here. It looks amazing. Thank you. Isn't it great? What's your favourite part of the pub? I, I like the very colourful ceiling that matches the carpet beneath it, which must confuse a lot of drunks. Yes, it's a bit like the carpet is a lake. And I think actually that's what it is. I don't think the carpet has a colour. I think it's just reflecting the ceiling like a lake. Oh, I see. In the same way that the sea is just reflecting the colour of the sky. Yes, but because the floor of the moon underwater is completely still, the the moon is reflected in the floor. <laughs> oh, that's what that is. I mm. wondered. It's nice. It's like weather weather spoons all have unique carpets, but the moon underwater has a Yes, it's one it's one of the lovely things about weather spoons. <laughs> yeah. The moon oh. underwater has a moon reflecting prism. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's where they got the idea for the ceiling of Hogwarts. You know, ah. when it can sort of turn into various realms and shift shapes and become the night sky. I'm pretty sure Dumbledore visited the moon underwater and thought, do you know what, I like that. I'm going to have that. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, he made a great choice because it's great in here. Thank you very much. Suze, you're not a stranger to the podcast world, the audio verse. No, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm never off them, in fact. And one of your podcasts does involve our old friend Booze. So tell us about that. So, yeah, I do a podcast called Mystery on the Rocks with comedians Chris Stokes and Masood Milas. Now, I call it a drinking podcast, which annoys them because it's not. It's a cocktails podcast. But I treat it every episode very much as uh, some sort of challenge of how much I can drink during the recording. Um, which, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't ruin anything. But yeah, we drink and we solve real-life mysteries. Oh, that's a nice idea, because the ideal detective is someone who, you know, doesn't play by the rules. Sure, they've got a bottle of scotch in their drawer in their office, but they get results. Mine's Archers, yeah. I have a bottle of Archers on the desk. If I've run out of cocktails, I can just drink straight from that. And it's better. It's turned out... Archer's straight from the bottle, much better than mixed with lemonade. Is it really? Yeah. What it, What is Archer's? Peach schnapps. Peach schnapps. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's what children drink. Yeah, I think I was, I don't think I've drunk it since the sixth form ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I had very fond memories of it, so I bought a bottle with lemonade. I went, no, that's too much even for me, someone who does like their cocktails to taste like sweets. But Archer's on its own straight from the bottle. All right. I'm pretty sure, now that you mention it, that aside from the odd sip of champagne at a wedding or a party when I was little, the first drink I ever drank in sort of more than a half a mouthful was Archer's at my first ever girlfriend's parents' house during a party. And I remember they had these ice cubes that were in plastic so you could put them in the freezer and they didn't dilute your drinks. Absolute genius. I was sick all over the toilet seat. (laughs) Oh, yeah, bad times, bad times. Arch is it's a lot of sugar. It is a lot of sugar. It's yeah. also a lot of alcohol if you've never yeah. had alcohol before. It's true. Uh, so, Susan Booze, Booze and Sue's, where did you grow up and what was the pub scene? Oh, I grew up in a village near Gatwick. In Gatwick Village? Did you really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, in, uh, not in the best place on earth, Gatwick Village. Uh, <laughs> but I, very near Gatwick. So we were directly in the flight path. And the only pub in the village was the Plough, which I ended up working in. <laughs> as soon as I turned 18, I went, I'm going to get a job at the Plough behind the bar. I bet it's extremely glamorous. <laughs> 
Now, tell us about the plough, because my immediate reaction to the name The Plough is that it's not going to be a sort of a dream pub. I've known a few ploughs in my time, and none of them made furrows I wanted to linger long in. Right, well, <laughs> that's understandable. They, they furrowed your brow. Yes, they yeah. furrowed my brow. Yeah, yeah. I, well, the area surrounding the airport, Gatwick Airport, it's not very nice. And the pub is, uh, I think it was some old 30s building, actually. Horrible, horrible clientele. Like, just the worst. And I've been in there. It's nearly 20 years since I first worked there. And I've be. it's actually all closed down now, thinking about it. Closed down during COVID forever. But the last time I was in there was a couple of years ago. And I was like, it's, it's all them. They're still here. They're still here. And they, they look like they've aged 40 years. Hmm. Yeah. The plough of time <laughs> has lain heavy on their fields. That's it. <laughs> Was it not full of those people, of people like who are staying the night before getting a flight early? That kind of transient crowd? No, much worse. We were just far enough out that right. nobody like that would visit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> about, about 10 minutes from the airport, five yeah. minutes closer. Yeah, so it was the worth of both worlds. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what what led you to live so close to Gatwick? Was that just where your family are from? Yeah, my dad was from there. And my mum, I think my mum did her apprenticeship down there and met my dad in their early 20s. And I could tell you more about that, actually. But I don't think that's got anything to do with pubs. But yes, they did end up living in this village. And I could either work there or the all days. Oh, that was an all days when I where I grew up. All days. Ah. <laughs> Do you remember all days radio? No. Yeah, it used to play all day. It was all pre-recorded. Obviously, it played all day. And uh, there was always a jingle. It's just a guy going, all days, uh, uh, all days. <laughs> and uh, I grew to hate that jingle because I worked there before the plough. So those were the two options of working in, what's the name of the village? Smallfield. Smallfield. Yeah, it's all still there, which upsets me. It's a great name for a small town, isn't it? Smallfield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so w- when you got out of Smallfield, where did you go? And what pubs beckoned you thence? Oh, well, I went to Bournemouth University to do a script writing degree. And they're all oh, more pubs and clubs and bars per square mile than in central London, something that... Is that true? Yeah. Really? Yeah, everyone who went to uni there would boast that. And I think it's very much quantity over quality in Bournemouth. But, I mean, there used to be a horrible gig in Bournemouth called Twisters. Yes. (laughs) It was one of the worst gigs in the UK. And the problem with Bournemouth, and I hate to slag off your alma mater, it is an absolute ball ache to get to from everywhere. Yes. Yeah, I and this is how connected to my uni town I am. I have never been back. Oh, wow. <laughs> never. Not even to gig. <laughs> so we're creating your dream pub tonight. Mm. And I know that you, well, because we do the Queen podcast together, the Queen pod. Yes. And you're an incredibly talented. You're an incredibly <laughs> I'm talented. I'm very talented. <laughs> That sounds like a word for someone whose skin is going rusty. and <laughs> you're, you're talented and pallid. you're an incredibly talented uh, singer and pianist and impressionist thank you so my first question about your dream pub is does it have a musical bent oh now i thought about this i think there should be a corner with a slightly raised stage for bands but they'd be very carefully curated i don't want any bored older men who 
used to enjoy their work, but now are just for hire. So what sort of bands are going to play at your pub? Oh, a, va- a vast array. I think we'll have some um, up-and-coming young bands, but I'll have to vet them first. I don't want anyone who just does Green Day covers of... What's that one that goes, Do you have the time to listen? Basket Case. Basket Case. I was going to say Dookie. That's the album. That is the album. I don't want any of that sort of thing because they were the bands that were doing the rounds when I was at school. And no, I don't want any of that. But I would like some stuff that sounds... Stuff that... Could be background, so some good jazz bands, and also event bands, so I can put on a poster, come down, these guys are really good. Even if that's just really good wedding cover bands, because they're my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> in your, if you're in a pub and there's a really good covers band on, it's like, oh, brilliant. But not Green Day. No, no, and no, only if they're a young band who play it much too loud and all sing with their eyes closed and that kind of thing. What pub do you envisage when you think of your dream pub? What were its stylings? Very old style pub with a lovely low ceiling, a fire, but it also has central heating because a fire is not enough in a lot of these old pubs. Have you noticed? If you go in like November. Very good point. It must have central heating as well, but the radiators are probably not be those standard ones, they'd be those quite tasteful ones. You know, with a cover. Oh, those nice sort of French iron ones. That's the ones. Yeah, I like those. And yeah, and I wouldn't have any seats back against the radiator because we've all been stuck in a pub. You go, good, it's got central heating. Then you're stuck against the radiator. And it's too hot. And it's also in- inefficient because you're heating the, the wood or the, the leather, not the air. That's true, yeah. And you probably mark the leather. I, this is all stuff I've thought about. I think it's going to have a Weatherspoon-style carpet, because that's nice. But that's the only thing it will have in common with Weatherspoons, because I'll be running it. Carpeted, though, it can be tricky in a pub. Oh, because of the spills. Yeah. But isn't that why Weatherspoons have quite sort of complex designs in their carpet so you can't really see the spills that makes sense i quite like a carpeted pub because i would imagine that came in around the sort of 50s and 60s well it can help with just noise levels can't it Mm -hmm. yes a bit of dampening yeah again the sonic architecture of pubs (laughs) yeah because you don't want it to be sort of echoey you don't want to feel like you're in a chamber no. You want to feel like you're in a nook. That's it. There's a Weatherspoons in Bristol, which has actually got a whispering gallery in it. You know, like St. Paul's Cathedral. What? Oh, yes. What, so you can stand yeah. at one end and whisper and someone hears you? It, yeah, but you're in a Weatherspoon, so you might just be sitting down and hear somebody, <laughs> you know, right in your ear. Like a ghost. Yeah, like a ghost, yeah. yeah. Barkley at the top of Park Street. What are your two draft options for your low-ceilinged pub with two heating options? You're, you're actually, the, I think, the first guest in the Moon Underwater to specify the heating options for their pub. Okay, I just hate being too cold. And, and I've been yeah. in many pubs where, it's, you know, you've still got your coat on and people are going, you still got your coat on? You're like, yeah, because I'm fucking cold. Uh, so I would have my first option, Fruly beer. Oh. Have you ever had Fruly? Yes, I have. It's the only beer I can drink and actually like. Are there different fruit options or is it all one? I think they only do strawberry, but that might be because I never checked if there's any more. I just go as Fruly, please, and I always get a strawberry one if I ask. Is it the one that comes in the paper wrapper? Oh, see, I've only ever had it on draft. Ah, yes, it is 
Fruley or Van Deist Fruley. Uh, it's a strawberry Belgian fruit beer. 4.1%, which is perfect. That, that, is that a good percentage when it comes to beer? I just think that's a real drinking percent. Mm. And so often with Belgian beers, you're talking sort of 6 to 12%, which is not really in my wheelhouse. But a, a 4.1% strawberry wheat beer. I'm surprised Fruley hasn't had a go at kind of sponsoring the Edinburgh Fringe, you know, just having a Fruley stand, like, you know, occasionally oh, yeah. drinks co-op. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not tried to rebrand itself as something cool, has it? It's yeah, just yeah. there. No. It's one of the things I really like about Fruley. It knows what it is. Do you find it on draft very often? There was, you know, the Canal Cafe? Yes. They used to have it in the pub. So I would do, I would always have a pint of Fruley after my, after a show at the Canal Cafe. Oh, oh, that's a nice idea. Post-show Fruley. Yes, good old strawberry beer. So you're not a big kind of beer person, you said that's the only beer you can drink. So. Yeah, I don't like it. I'll, I'll drink it because mm. it turns out I can drink just about anything. But <laughs> I, don't li- I don't like beer. But if there's right. nothing else on offer, I go, oh, and then drink five pints. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what we all do. Like, I mean, I didn't yeah. like beer when I first had it. <laughs> right. Maybe no one likes beer. That's what we're discovering. Yeah. <laughs> so then I'm guessing your second option is not a beer for your draft. No, it's Aspel Cider. Mm. Ooh. My friend Blake came up with a great advertising slogan for Aspel's. Sea wider. Because it's like spelt with a Y. So Aspel see wider. Very good. Yeah. I bet they're not legally allowed to imply that alcohol improves your vision. <laughs> I bet that's, or, or expands your mind. I guarantee that's that's not legal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does sound like. <laughs> but it is very it is good. good. Yeah. That is good. I think I saw wider when I first drank Aspel's. <laughs> So Aspel Cider, so my thing with Aspel Cider, I really like cider. A lot of their ciders are very strong. And I know people who really like strong cider and all strength to them. But I find, uh, I think, how, how strong, is this just the basic Aspels you're going for? Yeah, I think so. I think it's like five or six percent, maybe more. I'm on the Tesco website. It's quite dry, isn't it, Aspels? Yeah, I like a dry cider. Yeah, so it's 5.5% the basic. The The Premier mm. Crew is 6.8. Ah, uh, it's that one. It's the Premier Crew. Is it? 6.8 yeah. on draft? Oh, that yeah. is that is motion lotion. It's pretty great. They do an 11%. Ooh, I haven't had that one. Aspel 1728 in a 750ml bottle, so that's essentially wine strength. The Imperial Vintage is 8.2%. Ah, I haven't had that one. It's the Premier Crew. That's the one I always get. The Premier Crew. So 6.8%. So a 500ml bottle of that is, I can work this out, is 3.4 units. Okay, right. Incredible. So just on the limit. Yeah, fun fact, to ever work out the... Not not for driving. No. Oh, well. <laughs> rules. So other people have different rules. <laughs> Just to stress, that is over the limit for driving. Yeah, I wouldn't drive if I'd had three Aspels. Or one. Or one. Uh, because that would put you over the limit. Uh, I wouldn't do that either. Sorry, I just watched Time. It's really playing on my mind. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, fuck, yeah. yeah. I, no, to be honest, I never leave the house, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you ever want to work out the units in any drink, you just times the ABV by the millilitres and divide by a thousand. 
Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. that's good advice. What's your favourite? Does it exist? Pour me an ale. Pub's real. Pub's in the distance. Entrouded in mist. Are pub's real? So let's move on to your bottled choices to accompany Fruley and Aspels. And I'm I'm getting quite a feeling of summer in this pub, actually. Ah, this is good because it's got a garden. Oh, tell me about the garden. It's got a garden. It's got picnic benches with Stella umbrellas. That's what I'm thinking. And also a, ra- a slightly raised stage out there for bands that I believe can play outside. I love that these bands really have to get past you in order to play your part. (laughs) (laughs) They frequently have to allow the landlady to do a few numbers of her own as well. Okay, so you get your dream wedding covers band playing outside at a summer festival. Everyone's rolling around. Because they've had some (laughs) premier crew. I've got a button behind the bar. Uh, I press it and it just goes rolling time and everyone has to roll around. (laughs) And it plays rolling by Limp Biscuit. Um, Yes, yeah. (laughs) I get the band to play rolling. (laughs) So which two songs are you going to sing your dream songs for the wedding band covers when you come on for the encore and they say, they say, ladies and gentlemen, it's the end of the show now, but, and then they look at a piece of paper and say, we would like to welcome on stage. The, and you turn to everyone going, oh no, my blushes, no, my stop blushes. It. Stop <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, so what two songs would you play at your dream event? I say, stop it while pulling a microphone yeah, yeah. from my pocket. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the end of the night. Okay. So I'll go, hey, Listen, you've all had a great night in my pub. It's time for us to all sing together. You're going to be my backing choir and everyone will cheer for a while. And then we all do Somebody to Love because they will know all the backing vocals. Will you really? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's a big call. Luckily, I mean, usually if someone said that, I'd, I'd be like, good luck. But I have heard you sing it and it is superb. <laughs> Thank you. So. Well, we'll be all right and everyone will know all the backing vocals. And in the end, I'll go, people say unity's not possible. And then a the few people will tear up and they'll think that's it. But then it's time for my second song, which I would do Bette Midler's cover of Stay With Me. <laughs> what, the Shakespeare sister? But no. then I'd make them all leave. Shakespeare sisters? No, no. It's that song that goes, stay with me, baby. You know that song? She sings it at the end of the rose and then she immediately dies. She finishes the song and then drops dead from heroin. Sorry, that's the end of that film, but... She does. And it's amazing. But at the end of it, instead of dying, I just go, hey, safe journey home, that kind of thing. Lovely, yes. But not by car. No, Um, no. I'd say I've got your keys if you need them tomorrow. Lovely. Yes, it'd be nice to have a little key sort of locker. Maybe a barrel, an old barrel. Barrel where you could keep your keys overnight. Yeah, they reach in for them. People might toss their keys in thinking it was something else. Oh, that's true. You end up having sex with someone else's (laughs) car. Yeah. I love, it's a, a lovely Vauxhall Cavalier, the 90s shape. 
It was just a good shape of car. What is, have you got a 90s Vauxhall Cavalier? No, but I did grow up with one and I obviously had a lot of feelings for it. I didn't realise that I had until now. With that sort of domed bonnet. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. not the old Cavalier. No. No, yeah. thanks. I, I have to say, I just <laughs> always hated Vauxhall as a brand. Sorry, oh. I'm sorry. I just think it is dull as dishwater. That said, <laughs> that's based on my feelings as an 8 to 12 year old car fan. What about the same? <laughs> what about the Vauxhall Calibra coupe? Well, Remember them? That was a good looking car, especially in a, a dark metallic green. Yeah, but I think the thing with Vauxhalls is whenever the car looks sporty, it makes the badge even more out of place. <laughs> When they did like the Ford Sierra Cosworth or the RS500, it was a genuine driving car. Or even the Capri 2.8. Was it GT Turbo? No, the laser injection. Anyway, it's not a it's not a show <laughs> about cars from the 90s. Well, God, I'd love to make one of those. That was my dream. When I was about, from the age of about 11 to 15, I wanted to present Top Gear. Yes. I thought that, I was like, I'll be good at that. The golden years, Tiffany Yeah. And, That's it, um, yeah. Quentin Wilson. Quent. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> so when you come off stage having sung uh, Somebody to Love by Queen and Stay yes. With Me, Bette Midler. Bette Midler's cover, yeah. You're going to want a couple of bottles or something. Yes. So what are your two bottle choices? Well, I've got in the fridges. One is in the fridge, the other isn't. I'm not a moron. One is in the fridge, Smirnoff Ice. Wowee. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which I I would not have put this in there, but two weeks ago I had Smirnoff Ice for the first time in probably 10 years or more. It's good. Right. <laughs> it's sharp, it's sweet, it's the closest thing to being a little bit sherbety, which is my favourite flavour. So I went, oh, actually, I know now why I used to torpedo these. <laughs> Do, is it a nostalgic reason? Though? I don't think so. No, because when I was tasting it, I went, I would have really given this the thumbs down, despite enjoying them a lot in my 20s. It feels a bit like we started with a nice summer pub with low ceilings, its various heating setups, its stages, its events. It feels like we're now steering a bit towards the plough in the Gatwick flight path. (laughs) (laughs) Now, all choices, there's no such thing as as a wrong choice or a bad choice. Smirnoff Ice, I always felt, was a little bit claggy in the back of the throat. Oh, possibly. A bit like squash that was slightly too strong. I think that's probably exactly what it is, just with added vodka. I had a taste of it recently. I went, they should start marketing this to people in their late 30s like me, because it would work, because it's nice. (laughs) I wonder if they've changed. So the last time I had a Smirnoff Ice would definitely have been at uni, so we're looking at a heartbreaking 17 years ago. Oh, it's not. 17, I was at uni, I graduated 15 years. So that would make sense, yeah. I wonder if they've changed the recipe since then. Maybe. It had a good sharpness. Were we just young? Or was it trendier than it is now, back then? Do you know what I mean? What, Smirnoff? Yeah, Smirnoff Ice. Or were we just young, so we just drank anything? I think it probably was. I think a Bacardi Breezer was more trendy than it is now because they were new yeah yeah do you remember when they brought out the moscow mule as well the smirnoff moscow mule? yeah <laughs> oh yeah they had them in a club that i worked at a club called oh what's the name of that place it was disgusting that had no carpet but lots of a very sticky floor they used to get 
only the female bar staff to dance on the bar when they'd sound a, like a... <laughs> Men would go around with buckets getting the tips. <laughs> it's that kind of place. They did that Moscow Mule. And Blue Wicked. Remember them? I used to drink so much Wicked. <laughs> yeah, Orange Wicked. Orange Wicked. Oh, my days. I can taste it yeah, now. Yeah, why? Same going down as it is coming back up. The sign of any good drink. So what's accompanying Smirnoff Ice? Something similarly nostalgic or something a little bit different? It's just red wine. I know I should be more specific. You have to be a bit more specific. I know, but like I can't tell the difference between different wines. And also I haven't picked a white one because I've done taste tests and I can't tell the difference between red wine and white wine. What? So... <laughs> yeah, but I quite like to drink a glass of red wine. What do you mean you can't tell the difference between red wine and white wine? Yeah, people have tried this out on me and I'm... Well, you've done a blindfolded test where someone's given you red and white wine and you can't tell the difference. Yeah, I think, like, I'm gradually discovering that I have a very uns... Have you got COVID? <laughs> <laughs> I did have COVID and I lost my sense of taste and smell and it all came back, but eggs taste metallic now. That's the only bit that didn't come back. Anyway, but I can't tell the difference between different wines, but I like holding a glass of red wine and drinking it and just having a chat. I think it's a good look and I think it always tastes fine. So if I'm in a restaurant and I, I just go, your cheapest red wine, please. So in your small field pub... Yeah. Oh, has it got to be in small field? No, it doesn't, but okay. it's, it, it is now that it's got Smirnoff ice. It's certainly <laughs> right. going to be on the outskirts. It, the building is now available. Yes. Yeah. You so, could make a go of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have Fruly. Aspel's premier crew, Smirnoff Ice and a £5 bottle of Peanut Noir. But we leave your pub for a second to take a trip into our minds as we play Robin's Pub Quiz. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. Played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks, John. Yes, it's time for the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. So get your thinking hats on at the ready. Just play along for fun. So this week's pub quiz is about what would pubs be without cheese? So it's a quiz about cheese. <laughs> okay. So, Suze, you, you obviously play along, but uh, I'm, I'm not quizzing you. We'll go through the answers at the end. Um, okay, I'm not under any pressure. No, no pressure at all. But, okay. you know, play, play along for fun. Okay, so question one. How did Henry VIII change the course of British cheese history forever? Oh. Well, he, when did it stop? This 20th century, probably. So he changed the course of history for 400 or so years. Yes. Five, yeah, exactly. five, oh shit, yeah, 400. Like okay. 400, 1500s, yeah. Right, well, we'll go through the answer at the end, but have, have a little stew, have a think. Cool. Question two. In what county is the town of Stilton? What a superb question. It's an interesting question, that one. What a superb question. <laughs> so question three of the cheese questions. This is the last one, by the way. What cheese is used in the Cooper's Hill cheese rolling competition in which participants race down a very steep hill in pursuit of a wheel of cheese, rolling after a few bottles of Aspel? No <laughs> it really sets so, you up for that cheese roll. Yeah. You'll always win the cheese. So, yes, which cheese is used? Which cheese do they throw down the hill to chase after? What kind of cheese is it? 
Okay. I wish I knew. Well, we can but guess. And guess we shall after a brief interlude where you can top up your glass or go for a wee. Uh, You will either hear some adverts or some ambient music. Uh, We're never quite sure which one it will be. But if you want to guarantee no adverts in your Moon Underwater, you can subscribe and contribute to uh, the upkeep of the pub at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod. And remember, as ever, there's 20% off drydrinker.com orders for listeners with the code moonunderpod. So we will see you back for the answers in just a sec. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thousands of people listen to The Moon Underwater every week, and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences. So if you're to be part of the Moon Underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners, get in touch. Just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you. That's sales at audioalways.com. Well then, folks, there's just one tenterhook left. It's very high. I'm not actually going to try and and remove it until I can get hold of a ladder. So I'm just going to leave that one tenterhook there. Uh, But Robin, if you could remove us from the rest of the tenterhooks by giving us the answers to the quiz. Of course, John. So question one, we were talking about cheeses. Question one was how did Henry VIII change the course of British cheese history forever? Sue's thoughts? Well, if he did until the 1900s, I shouldn't have asked. My guess would have just been he invented pasteurising cheese. That's not, that's not a bad shout, but it's not correct. Or was it Louis Pasteur <laughs> that did that? I suddenly thought that. But like, what finished with cheese in the 1900s? He added yellow to it and stopped doing that. <laughs> Not I don't quite know. there. John, do you have any no. guesses? Well, what I wrote down was he removed a taxation from it. That's a good guess. But I wonder if it's more to do with the making process. It is to do with the making process. So what did Henry VIII famously do? He was a top shagger. He was a big shagger. Yeah. And he dissolved a lot of... Wives. <laughs> monast- and wives' monasteries. Yeah. 
He oh, dissolved yeah. the, the dissolution of the monasteries and destroyed thousands and thousands of books. Yeah. What a bastard. Awful man. <laughs> so monasteries were basically, before that, England was rather like France in its appetites for cheese. In other words, we had lots of soft, smelly cheeses. And they were all made in monasteries. So once the monasteries were all closed, that completely went out of the window. And that's from where the stereotype that English people or British people eat hard cheese and French people eat soft, smelly cheese. And that stereotype kind of perpetuated till the 20th century, really. Oh. Well, still does in some ways. Yeah. So Henry VIII changed the whole notion of how we think about cheese. I <laughs> because see. Because of the dissolution of the monasteries, yeah. Oh. I mean, it's a weird pub quiz question. It's more of a <laughs> kind of trivia, really, isn't it? It's a really... No, that's it's really interesting. And it's the sort of fact I will now bring up for the next two weeks to whoever I talk to. Yeah. Hey, do you know what I found out? I think that's good. <laughs> Yeah. So this one's more of a straightforward question. In which county is the town of Stilton? No idea. I, I don't know. Derbyshire? That's not a bad shout. Uh, Lancashire. Interesting. No, it's Cambridgeshire. Is it really? Yeah, because although the cheese originated in Leicestershire, it was first marketed in the town of Stilton, which was on the Great North Road. So it was a good trading route between London and the north. So that's where it took its name from this. Uh, so it's, it was kind of a, you know, free market capitalism. <laughs> Good fact. Yeah. So it's quite weird because it is a northern cheese, but it was sold there and that's where it got its name. That does come up in pub quizzes quite a lot. That one. Question three. What cheese is used in the Cooper's Hill cheese rolling competition in which participants race down a very steep hill in pursuit of a wheel of cheese? Is it a Gouda Gouda? How do you say it? Gouda. No, it's not a Gouda, but that is a good wheel shape. I've gone for a classic cave-aged cheddar. Cheddar. Interesting, interesting. It is a place name based. It's Double Gloucester. Is it Double Gloucester? Is it really? Every child's favourite cheese. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Isn't it? It's Double Gloucester, yeah, because Ah. Cooper's Hill is in Gloucestershire. (laughs) Well, a superb quiz once again from Robin. And now we return to Suze Kempner's dream pub. Yes. I'm guessing you're going to be more of a spirit person than a draft person. So I think this is perhaps where you you really set the tone for your pub that, let's remind listeners, hangs in the balance. It's now midway between Broadway and Smallfield. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, my spirit choices are, first one, Frangelico, which I only discovered... Well, on a, on a monastery tip Yes, there. yeah. The bottle itself looks like a monk. It's designed to look like a monk. Let's have a look in our minds. So is, it, is that a hazelnut liqueur? Yeah. It is, isn't it? It's so good. Oh, that's lovely. It's like Nutella for grown-ups. So it's kind of got, like, what's that rope that monks wear around their, their waist? Oh, yeah. The tassel around the cassock. Yes, tassel around <laughs> the cassock. That's actually called. Yeah. It's got that round the bottle. Stunning. Frangelico. Is it a creamy? No, it's clear. So it's a hazelnut noisette. Cincture. That's what it's called, a cincture. (laughs) That's what the cord tied around it is. Oh, I see. Okay. Good to know next time I buy. I've bought, I've got through eight bottles of Frangelico during lockdown because I keep having to order them. And it's like. I thought you were going to say you got through eight cinctures. (laughs) (laughs) My ever growing waistline. Yeah, (laughs) because every time I have to order a new bottle, because I get through quite a lot of it, 
the website goes, you've ordered this eight times. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you have it with? Oh, John, you can have it with anything. In my world, you can have it with just Coke, Frangelica and Coke. It's great with Prosecco. But my favourite drink I've done with it is you have it with, let me get this right, smoked whiskey, lime juice, Frangelico and, no, that was it. So just to get, let me get my head around this. It, so it's not a creamy liqueur Mm-mm. like Bailey's? No, it's like pale brown but clear. A bit like Tia Maria? L- yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's coffee rum, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that sort of vibe. Yes, it's pretty great. Yeah. What an odd selection <laughs> visitors to your pub are going to find in front of them when they get there. A wide array of flavours. What I really like is there's not really any kind of bog standard basics there. It's <laughs> Apart from perhaps the five pound red wine. Yes. Most people are going to go, ooh. <laughs> I'd struggle to know what to have at this stage. I'd probably go for a Fruli and Frangelico. Oh, yeah, with a little chaser. You put the Frangelica's little chaser, yeah. So what's your second spirit? Right, talking of basics, it's Windsor Castle Gin. I've never heard of it. Well, Windsor Castle Gin is the cheapest one you can get in Tesco. And it's £9.50 a bottle. Oh, my God. You can't tell the difference between any gin and anyone who says you can is a big liar. It's a lie. All gin tastes exactly the same, unless it's got rhubarb in it or something. My instinct is to agree with you, but I think you want to sort of guarantee a certain minimum level of quality. However, (laughs) looking at the Tesco website in my mind, it's got eight reviews and 4.9 stars out of five. So people really do like it. And not one of those is from me, so you could add another review to that, pushing the average up even further. One of these reviews might even be from you. This is from uh, a customer. We used to buy Gordon's, but honestly, (laughs) assuming you were going to put it with tonic, can't tell the difference, so why spend more? We don't pretend to be gin aficionados. I'm sure someone who really knows gin or who drinks it neat would probably know, but we think it's excellent. (laughs) Better than the more expensive Tesco London Dry Gin, which has a slightly odd (laughs) flavour. She's got that very internet... Sorry, I assumed it was a woman. Who wrote that? Sorry, yeah, I did. The person as well. who wrote that, <laughs> the person who wrote that's got that very internet-y kind of way of talking, where it sounds like they're having an argument. That's with... it. I was going to say, it's like who's she fighting with here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's been judging her? <laughs> well, okay, I am willing to accept Windsor Castle London Dry Gin nine ninety nine. Yay! Although, I mean, I personally have reservations about whether any spirit should be available at that price. But seeing as that's the law, go for it. Yeah, I'll charge more in my pub for it, though. I'm a businesswoman. Of course you will. I mean, it's going to yeah. be... It's Surely it's got to be in the realm of £2 doubles, though. 2 50 2 for a double, one fifty yeah. for a single. Yes. In my mind, in, in, in your optics, you've got those kind of fluorescent... You remember pub, pubs used to do fluorescent kind of stars with the price on them? Yeah, I would have them. And they're like, ah... You can write all kinds of things on them. Yeah. <laughs> Draw eyes on them, stick them on your eyes. Yeah. Whatever you like. 37.5%. A kind of budget pans labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Mm. Now we try to improve ourselves and broaden our minds by adding a book to the Moon Underwater pub library. Robin, over to you. 
Thanks, John. So this week on the Pub Library, I've got rather a special book, which isn't very easy to get hold of. It's the 1975 Complete Guide to Bristol's Pubs. Oh, yes. So this is a little paperback that came out in 19... It looks vanity published, to be fair. It's a a little paperback that uh, came out in the the mid-70s, reviewing basically every pub in Bristol. So it's really quite fascinating to go through, A, to see how many have closed, and B, to sort of see what pubs were like back then, because it's quite a kind of unfiltered view and i must shout out because i have got a copy of this but i can't find it but there's an excellent blog run by a couple called jessica boke and ray bailey and they run the boke and bailey beer blog they're based in bristol it's really lovely blog and they've published some books as well um but they sent me the pdf of it (laughs) which is great so i'll send it to you as well if you want so john and i are obviously very familiar with bristol pub so here's how the hillgrove was in the 70s Some of the best darts playing in Cotton, a small two-bar local this, very clean and extremely friendly. If only all the beer wasn't gassy. <laughs> so, oh dear. <laughs> this is the uh, County Ground Hotel, so this is now the Sportsman in Bristol. Oh yeah, near, near the, the cricket ground. Yes, yes, that's right by the cricket ground. One of the very few pubs in the area with hand-pumped beer, Courage Ordinary, full of cricketers attached to the nearby Gloucestershire ground and hangers-on. It has rather a clubhouse atmosphere. Cricketers on this evidence seem to be something of a breed apart, idiosyncratic and argumentative, but they play pretty good darts. Big hall at the side, which... (laughs) Big hall at the side, which is hired out. We found ourselves in the middle of someone's 21st birthday party when looking for the loo. Skittle Alley. It's called Skittle Alley. Skittle Alley, yeah. Just the last sentence. Skittle Alley. I like the idea of cricketers in the 70s drinking Courage Ordinary. This is the Full Moon, which is, well, it used to be a goth pub when I was younger. Full Moon and Stokescroft. Part of the hotel. Very quiet, spacious lounge bar. Good for a quiet chat, etc. Meals available of scampi and chicken and chips variety. 50p upwards. Canned music, Glen Campbell, etc. Payphone. Lou upstairs. Oh, that is nice. Lovely. It's got a payphone. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's got a payphone, and it's got a loo upstairs. We went to the fu- to see a metal band at the full moon in two th- on the day of seven seven nine eleven. Actually, it was nine nine eleven. Yeah, was it? it was, yeah. When we saw Serantis's metal band. No, oh, that was. I remember seeing the hardcore band Cap Down on nine eleven at the full moon. <laughs> It's weird. Yeah. Oh, I don't think... Oh, maybe it was that. Maybe I'm getting my metal band on sort of (laughs) atrocity days mixed up. Is that what you do? If there's a terrible disaster, do you just go, I've got to go and see some metal? Yeah. Out of respect. So, John, do you want want me to try and... Can you think of a Bristol pub? Do you want me to kind of get the... See what it was like in the 70s? Do you want to try and do that? Yes. In a second, I've just got to go and find out. I think either a bit of the moon underwater has fallen off. Right. (laughs) And also someone has chosen to strim right outside the moon underwater at half past seven in the evening, which I think is ridiculous seeing as they've had all day to do it. So I'm just going to check that in a second. (laughs) Uh, But before I do that, could you look for the old duke? The old duke, right. So that is going to be in the centre. Oh, here we go. Bunch of grapes. Garrick's head, naval volunteer, hatchet, Mauritania, landogger trow. Hang on a second. It's not there. Maybe it wasn't there. Well, do the hatchet, because that's where I did my first ever gig. Okay, the hatchet. Yeah, the hatchet, Frogmore Street, Watney's. 
17th century hostelry right by New Bristol Centre turned into a multi-bar drinking complex by Watneys <laughs> and totally mutilated in the process. Mostly middle-aged working class custom. Okay, <laughs> judging. <laughs> yeah. Possibly Bristol's worst travesty of a pub, especially considering what it could have been like. Oh, wow. That's terrible. That's amazing. And that's such But the hatchet's nice now. But that's such a perfect illustration of how the hatchet now, or actually not now, but when I did my first gig there in 2005, when you, we used to go there, it did look like a 17th century pub. And there was a rumour that the front door was made of human skin. Yeah, yeah. It just goes to show that pubs weren't, <laughs> old pubs weren't always old pubs. Sometimes they yeah. were just made rubbish. Yeah, they'd obviously, they'd obviously tried to modernise it. We then had to re-retrofy them to try and look how we imagined them. So it's a fascinating insight. We'll, I'll po- we'll post some pictures of it, perhaps, because the cover's quite nice with the complete guide to Bristol Spurs. Post the PDF, mate, on the uh, yeah. on the Facebook group. I might not, because some of it has dated extremely okay. badly. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe take out any very dated references, but post yeah. a few select cuts. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to pop outside the moon underwater very quickly, just check a bit of it hasn't fallen off mm-hmm. <laughs> all good everything all right john yeah i was just checking outside the moon underwater because sometimes in these old buildings it's difficult to tell the difference between a sort of a, a little um desire vortex and a slate falling off the roof mm. uh, but <laughs> luckily it was just a desire vortex so we're all fine that's nice Phew. so what an excellent addition to the pub library Now then, exciting times because we have a jukebox here at the Moon Underwater and it's got a phenomenal array of artists on it already. All ideal publy tunes. But you, Suze, are a respected singer-songwriter, pianist-vocalist. So I'm guessing you're pretty well informed as to the perfect pub CD. Yeah, I should say, though, that I am not a good pianist or songwriter. The other two, all right. But <laughs> I say okay. I'll I'll reword that. Suze Kempner, terrible pianist and songwriter. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But a very talented singer. <laughs> or, or just the one. Yeah, I've decided because I already decided on the name I want for this pub. Because what I haven't told you is there's going to be Queen artwork everywhere. Yes, please. Band, band, not lady. It's not going to be that. Oh, this is only a pub that Queen fans can hang out at. It's not exclusionary at all. But it will inevitably have that effect. <laughs> yeah, like, ideally. <laughs> Trust me, if you if you want to keep 16 to 25-year-old women away from a bedroom, cut out all the photos from uh, your Queen calendars, frame them in clip frames and, and put them on the wall, because that was my experience as a teen and early twent. <laughs> <laughs> So talk to me, talk to me about some of the iconic images. What are you choosing? I won't commission artists, but I'll search, probably just on Etsy, for people who've done wonderful paintings of iconic Queen images, album covers, and some like beautiful photo prints as well, of like Freddie on stage at Wembley. I just think it would be great. And people will talk about it and I'll go, oh yeah, that's that pub that's got Queen pictures on the wall. So... Fun fact, Russell Howard has an enormous photo of Freddie on stage at Wembley in his uh, house. Uh huh. It was the last thing I expected to see when I walked in. And it's that one where he's bent right back <laughs> with his sort of 
one foot out, bent knee in front of him, and there's a light. It's just perfect. And I asked him where he got it from. There's a place called the Rock and Roll Hotel in America. They sort of license lots of original images, and they've got some fantastic uh, stuff on sale if you ever want to check out that website. Oh, wow. Well, it will look great in my pub. So is any of it painted on the wall, or is it all sort of framed? I didn't think of murals. Because did you ever go to the the Queen pop-up shop on Carnaby Street? I never did. I know it's coming back. They had the album covers massive on the wall. And Queen 2, the front cover. I mean, I would usually apologise to Robin for the fact we're talking about something like this. But Robin knows so much about Queen through knowing me. Oh, I see, I see. So you, so you could join in? <laughs> I mean, they've played a bigger part in your life than you'd ever have wanted. <laughs> It's a, it's kind of osmosis. Yeah. yeah? Well, you, you weren't one of the people making fun of Get Down, Make Love. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, you know, John, when we used to hang out, John would put on uh, Live at Wembley, or we'd listen to Live Killers at parties. And got, yeah, got very into it that way, really. Our friend Sam always called it Get Down, Mike Love. And he was like, it was about this guy called Mike Love. I just thought that's such a funny song. (laughs) Get Down, Make Love. He's the worst thing that ever happened to the Beach Boys, including Charles Manson. (laughs) Yeah, he is. Big fans with um, Donald Trump. Now, you might be thinking of Dennis Dennis Wilson was the... Charles Manson friend, wasn't he? Yeah, but Charles Manson happened to the Beach Boys, but Mike yeah. Love's worse. Right. <laughs> oh, I, <see>. yeah. <laughs> I should warn you that Queen's Greatest Hits is already on the Moon Underwater jukebox. I thought it might be, which is why I've chosen A Night of the Opera. Oh, what a, what a choice. What a choice. Because, uh, like, picture the scene... The pub's gone a bit quiet. Someone whacks on death on two legs and everyone just starts listening to those piano arpeggios at the beginning. They're like, what the, what is this? And then it, oh, then shit goes off. I think Jodie Kidd chose Queen's Greatest Hits. Ah, okay. Great choice. A Night at the Opera. Okay. Balls out of the bathwater on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's Queen's finest conceptual achievement album-wise. Yeah. I'm not sure... On shuffle, on a pub jukebox, it's going to make quite as much sense to a sort of a broad listenership. It's good. At the end of the night, you can play God Save the Queen and everyone has to go home. Like when your TV used to programming would end, they just play the national anthem, everyone go to bed. But what do you think about the, you know, say that we're going from, we've also got the best of Black Lace. Um, Ooh, I think we've got no. the best of... Isn't Abba Golden? Though? Yeah, Abba Gold is there. Queen's Greatest Hits. We've also got, I think, the best of The Proclaimers, have we? To then suddenly hear The Prophet song, a sort of an eight-minute delay epic about Noah's Ark. <laughs> in full. Or, or I'm in love with my car. Yeah. Which I love. I, and I love The Prophet song. I actually love it. I love it. I'm, I'm just sort of putting your casual <laughs> visitor's course. view... Yeah, this is an interesting point, though, isn't it? Because you'd have to play the whole album in one go. You couldn't just play tracks from it. But it's weird. I I was in, um, I remember being in a pub and they were playing Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. And you know that song, which is the the female singer just going, like that. And that is, it's not great. Yeah, it's not a great pub tune. Yeah, great gig in the sky. I was was sitting with my dad and it was just, 
Oh, if that came on in a pub, if I'd had maybe, if I'd had four Aspals, I was one away from Roll City, I would probably just stand up, start singing along with it. I mean, it's great, but I just feel like it's, it's, it really captures your attention. Yes. You know what I mean? But yeah. and maybe Queen would do a similar thing. Yeah, that's good. That's a good pub. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a night at the opera on the jukebox. And I didn't have to bribe you. I didn't have to sort of lead you towards that. That's totally unexpected. And also now I can I can see this pub with Queen memorabilia. Is there any memorabilia? I quite like the idea of that, but I think it would be very expensive. And I'm a new business. Good point. So Work up yeah. to memorabilia. Yeah, yeah. Because also if it's covered in Queen stuff, people come in and go... My dad used to be a roadie for Queen. I've got this old flight case. Do you want it? And you'd be like, yes, I really yeah. want it. He got Brian to sign it and it says something like, hello, toad man or something on it. <laughs> all, they've all got in-jokey names, haven't yeah. they, roadies? Yeah. I'm in love with my Okay, so underneath these almost religious icons, this sort of religious iconography of the four cornerstones of rock, Mm. what's your wild card drink? Because I have to say there's no Queen-related drinks yet. Oh, that's true. Oh, I might have to rethink this. Because Queen did bring out, they brought out their own vodka. Oh, They brought out their own pilsner. I think I'm right in saying they've got their own wine. Okay. And Freddie used to drink Stolichnia vodka. Brian likes Guinness. The Heineken's on the piano is very iconic, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's true, too. It is why I drink Stolly vodka. That's my vodka. What is your wild card? I'm going to skirt this issue by some queen boozes are for display only, but they're not the wild card. If anyone says, are they for sale? I'll go look at the sign and it'll be one of those fluorescent star things that they just say not for sale. Display only. Okay, are the mixers all there already? You, I think we can safely say that you may pick a soft drink. That's absolutely uh, under the rules and regs of the Moon Underwater. But I think we can safely say, for example, you've picked Windsor Castle Gin. You don't then have to use one of your choices to pick tonic. I think we can assume that, that there's a bit of that knocking around. Okay, great. So I, for that reason, it's all there. I'm going to choose a drink called Mr. Black. What? which is an Australian coffee liqueur. What? And it's like Kahlua became a monarch or something. <laughs> it's the best coffee drink I've ever had. That is a hell of a, a bottle. It's quite expensive. It looks like a coffin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the back of it's got all these black weird drawings on it. And as the drink goes down, as I drink it alone in my bedroom, the drawings are revealed. Oh, I have to say I like the look of that a lot. Does it taste anything like a an espresso martini? Does it ta- have that kind of a taste? If you have that in your espresso martini, you're having the king of espresso martinis. Right. Yeah. It's delicious. 
Am I right in thinking that both Kahlua and Tia Maria are pretty similar? Yeah, they're both coffee. One is rum, Kahlua is vodka, but very sweet. What makes this different? Is it just a better version of them? Yeah, it's got a real earthy smell. It's not too sweet. Oh, you could make a killer white Russian with this. Absolutely, yeah. And they actually do a canned espresso martini. Oh, do they? Mr. Black does? Yeah. Ah, worth a shot. Well, it looks very nice. It looks like a sort of Victorian expectorant sort of chest. Yes. <laughs> i tell you what it looks like. And I was reading about this last night. It looks like laudanum. Oh, yeah. And I think if you have enough of it, very similar effect. I'll tell you what it's great with. You can make a black Negroni. So, you know, Negroni is Campari, sweet vermouth and gin. What you do is you take out the... Oh, which one do you take out? You take out the sweet vermouth and instead you use Mr. Black and it's a black Negroni and it's, oh, it's the, it's good. Right. I'm just making a note of that on the uh, the honours board here at the Moon Underwater. Mr. Black coffee okay. liqueur. <laughs> I think I'm going to be trying that be- before the evening is out, especially I, dr- I would drink it neat underneath the imagery of Queen 2. Ah, oh, perfect. It's the same colour as the album cover. It's a very Mick Rock photograph style (laughs) drinker. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're barred. Right then. So we've completed your drinks. You've got fruly strawberry wheat beer or vice beer, wheat beer. Uh, You've got Aspel's Premier Crew Cider at a a rolling (laughs) 6.8%. Smirnoff Ice and Cheap Pinot Noir. You've got Frangelico, Windsor Castle Gin, $9.99 a bottle, A Night at the Opera on the Jukebox, and Mr. Black Coffee Liqueur. So those are all the things going on in this Queen-themed pub. It sounds like a hell of a night. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) It really does. In a a village. (laughs) Yeah, as soon as you mentioned Smirnoff Ice, I could almost, like, smell the dry ice in a really shit nightclub. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's how it's been building in my head. Is it some kind of weird nightclub hybrid? Something for everything down yeah, my yeah. pub. It comes and it. if I'm using the building that the plough was once in, it's just off Bones Lane. Ooh. Bones Lane. It's got two different central heating systems, uh, <laughs> both French iron wrought radiators and a fire. It's got raised stages for bands that have to prove their credentials to you, Suze. These are all of the things it has. It also has you finishing the set every night with covers of Somebody to Love and Stay With Me. But what does it not have? What are you barring and banning from your pub? Absolutely no high stalls at the bar. Interesting. When I was a bar keep at the plough I hated the customers who would sit on the stools at the bar because all they want to do is just get your attention and talk to you and they're annoying. It's, it feels like it's something that they can do in America but it's never quite worked here. Do you know what I mean? Sitting at the bar. And there's always someone queuing behind them awkwardly while they tell a tale to you and you're looking over them going. Right. Yeah I think you're right. In a very quiet pub someone sits at the bar and as a bar, a member of bar staff, you're sort of forced to talk to them because it's not like you can sort of go downstairs and say, oh, I've got to do something else for half an hour. You've got to be at the bar. And if they talk, you can't ignore them. So it's quite a horrible mm-hmm. position to be in. Yeah. I don't know. I just 
very vivid memories of being 18 and having to listen to some man tell me about how he smashed some other guy's face in with a snooker cue. Let me paint you one picture. Say you've got a long bar at this pub. I come in, or some guy comes in, he's got a newspaper, he he moves to the furthest stool at the bar, next to perhaps the coffee machine. Yeah. (laughs) And he just sits down, doing a crossword, listening to the test match in his headphones, drinking pint after pint of, I'm guessing it'll have to be fruly. It's fruly. (laughs) Is that acceptable? Could you have one stool right at one end? Look, I would like to say it would be on a case-by-case basis. So that guy, fine. You know there'd be some guy who'd go, I'm just going to sit at a bar, I'm not going to bother you. And eat three minutes later... You know, you could have some kind of pulley system where someone walks in <laughs> and the stools kind of come into the bar, kind of subtly, <laughs> so they can't sit there. Or the stools themselves are sort of remote controlled, so you can operate them using a joystick to just move them away from the bar. Yeah, that's a good shot. This is good. Yeah, okay, yeah, they're all on a motor, so the guy starts talking. I'm like, oh, dear, you broke the rules. But, I, I mean, I'm, I'm coming up with a solution for a problem you've solved by having no high stools, so they are <laughs> yeah. therefore yeah. banned from this pub. Hurry up, please, it's time. So, finally, we need a name. You've given a hint as to a potential name for this pub. So tell us what it's going to be. Yeah, I'm going to call it the Queen of Mercury. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we imagine you go like, have you seen that pub, the Queen of Mercury? The Queen of Mercury. <laughs> like, oh, what is it? A Queen theme pub? Ha ha ha. Yes, yeah. it is actually. You should go in there. It's brilliant. It's brilliant in there. They don't don't serve any beer. Yeah, no beer. No beer. Can, <laughs> they do. Yeah. They serve fruity. Robin, yeah. what a oh, thing sorry, to say. Sorry. So sorry. I, yeah. As much as that is on brand, <laughs> that is exactly what I would have sort of sketched on the back of my sort of year nine English sort of workbook. It's such a terrible name for a Queen pie. of Mercury. <laughs> it's so bad. The Queen John, of Mercury. John, you've been doing the Queen pod for me for, me for a year. I, it's fairly obvious I got to year nine and that's when everything just stopped. <laughs> well, it does exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> So you weren't tempted by the White Queen? or No, in our current cultural climate, I don't want to draw the wrong clientele. Fair enough. But I mean, the Seven Seas of Rye? That's quite good, actually. The Seven Seas? <laughs> I wanted it to sound like a pub's name. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it sounds insane, but it's definitely the sort of pub I'd go to. What other Queen-based pub's names are there? There must be something with Deacon in the... The Deacon's Arms or something. I'm just wondering if there are more from the the hot space. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. The Cool Cat. The Game. (laughs) The Get Down, Make Love. (laughs) (laughs) But the Queen Queen of Mercury is lovely stuff. The Fairy Fellas Master Stroke. Oh, great name for a pub. Or the Fairy Fellas. The Fairy uh, yeah. Fella's Arms. The Fairy Fella. That's it. Good name. That's it. But it's too late now. It's called the Queen of Mercury. <laughs> I've made my awful bed. <laughs> now I must run it. I would recognise, if I walked into the Queen of Mercury, though I'd never met them, I would recognise every single person in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Suze, you are now able to leave the moon underwater, safe in the knowledge that the Queen of Mercury goes with you wherever you roam. 
and with it, it smirnoffices its very cheap gin and its pretty awe-inspiring black coffee liqueur. Mm. So I hope that whenever you need it the most, it will appear and you can sit under the uh, pictures of Messrs Mercury, May, Taylor and Deacon whilst having Mm -hmm. the queen of espresso martinis. That's right, that's right. And of course, Suze, because you have placed uh, A Night at the Opera on the jukebox, you get to pick a song from A Night at the Opera to play us out of this week's episode. What's it going to be? Whole of the Prophet song, please. A whole of the Prophet song. <laughs> yes. Well, get ready for a an extract <laughs> from Queen's Noah's Ark delay epic, The Prophet <laughs> song. Suze Kempner, thank you so much for joining us here on The Moon Underwater. We wish you well on your merry way as you walk through the uh, the dappled streets into the other realm. And we thank you all for your company this week as well. There goes Suze Kempner. What a delight she is. And uh, I have to say, I'm very jealous of her pub. I would dearly like to go there with Suze to look at all the Queen regalia. Mm. She hit a lot of Queen buttons for you, didn't she? She hit an awful lot of the key Queen notes from memory. Now, I can't remember Freddie's vocal range from memory, but it's four octaves. Uh, Though he could whistle up to five or six octaves. Anyway... I don't mean whistle as in, there's a sort of, that's a technical term for a certain type of uh, screeching. Anyway, uh, we wish Suze all the best in her Queen-themed pub. And next week, we will be welcoming Lisa Holdsworth, one of the most in-demand screenwriters in British television. So do join us for that next week. Until then, send us your emails to john at moonunderpod.com. Check out our patron offerings at patreon.com forward slash moon under pod and hopefully we'll see you at some of those live gigs bye bye So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Thousands of people listen to The Moon Underwater every week and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences. So if you're to be part of The Moon Underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners, get in touch. Just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you. That's sales at audioalways.com.